in and I'll get on you, get your money longer. Ready, break for it now. Straight for dinner, and I'll make no wrong turn. Get it, check up, money maker. Any with the biggest impact, check the spreadsheet. Hey, I'm Shania Wilson, aka the People CPA, founder and CEO of Fola Financial LLC. And I'm Sabrina Abraham, aka the Money Goat, CEO of Finco Technologies. Welcome to the Financially Lit Podcast. Yes, and the topic of this week's podcast is legal things. <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So a lot of people nowadays have these great ideas and they want to get started with executing those ideas. So they look to form a business and become a business owner. So we think it's very important for us to acknowledge the responsibility that you are accepting and what it really takes to protect yourself, your assets, and to really build a business from your idea. Absolutely. You do not want to start promoting something or, you know, just sitting down and coming up with your idea and someone just taking it and running with it. You want to make sure you're protected. So even before you tell anyone, unless they're your close, your closest family or friends, you know, um, I would say definitely you want to protect yourself. Speak right. to an accountant. Um, they can help you choose what type of entity you like to form. They'll help you develop an idea or a direction you like to going. Um, you can actually read a couple books on the field you want to enter into. But just before you go out and you start promoting anything on any platform, protect your name, protect your idea. Yes have to be super, super protective of what you're producing because your IP, your intellectual property is worth everything, right? Um, so we're going to get into talking about the different types of structures. We'll get into taxation, how to protect your IP. But what I do want to touch on is the shift in mindset that's going to be required when you become a business owner, because you're not thinking about just yourself and your idea at a smaller level. I love to refer to a business as being a baby. That's a separate entity. That's your new child. So it's going to take nourishment, going to take care and time. And as long as you nourish it the right way, it will grow into being a big kid. Right. And that's what we're all about. Getting these big banks and getting big bucks. <laughs> Absolutely. And one thing, a baby, regardless of how much you love it, still requires money to grow. Keep that in mind. You know, a lot of, um, I see a lot of new entrepreneurs, the first thing they want to do is to quit their job and follow their dream. And again, who's going to fund it? If you have a kid, formula has to be bought. Diapers have to be bought. There's a lot of care that goes along with it. You know, you're not going to say, oh, I just want to spend time with my kid. Let me quit this job. You need the funds from the job to take care of the kid. So leverage your nine to five as much as you can for as long as you can, because that money you're generating in your business, please understand it belongs to the business. Shania. Please yes. clarify this for the people. 
the money you generate in the business belongs to the business. business. It is, does not belong to you. No, it does not. Does not mean that you cannot pay yourself, but there's a right and a wrong way to do that. But as she said, the money that your business generates belongs to your business. And for most of us, we want to start to use that money as operating capital to grow, right? The more you invest back into your business, the quicker it will grow because now you have access to capital for things like marketing, advertising, improving some of your systems or processes. And again, that takes capital to do so. So when you take on this journey, keep that in mind. But again, we are here to help you at the Financially Lit Podcast to get your business and your personal finances together so we can all stay financially lit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Entities, there are five common ones and it's important for you guys to understand what each of them mean and why each of them are chosen. So typically when I am onboarding a new client to file an entity for them, the first thing that we want to do is go through their plans. What's your vision? What is your goal with the business? What products are you selling? What services are you offering? Because each of these things will give us a better idea of which entity is better for that specific client. Some people may come in and they want to do it with a partner. So we'll look at entities that will better fit that need. Some people may come in with ideas that need a lot more protection. So we may look into corporations. But again, the five basic ones are going to be a sole proprietorship, an LLC, a C corporation, a S corporation, and a partnership. What does each of these mean, right? Sole proprietor is the basic level of being in business because at this level, you are your business. You don't have a separate entity, AKA you are operating solely as a solopreneur, but with no protection, no separate entity. Um, again, at this level, you are liable for a lot of things. And additionally, your tax liability is going to be under you and not a separate entity. So this is probably my least favorite um, <laughs> entity structure just because of the asset protection. But I had a conversation with this gentleman um, who happened to be an attorney and he was saying, well, you know, if is the, is the fastest way for people to start, you can get started if you have little or no money, you know, you're not required to register with the state you know you can just simply do your dba and then if you want to protect your assets you can go and get um business insurance, insurance. Mm -hmm. right so i was like oh okay because at least you still have you still can protect whatever assets you do have if you are a um sole proprietorship but again, it's just my least, it's my least favorite entity structure because I feel like you have everything, everything is connected to you. And in the business world, like I know we love to put things in our name, like this is my car, this is my house, this is my whatever. Um, you know, the wealthy understand that that is not the way to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you want to shelter you always want to show your assets, you know? So, um, 
but if you do have if you're starting out and your your funds are very little you know you're in very beginning stages planning out you're not sure which direction you want to go in you can do your sole proprietorship and just pay for the business insurance to make sure in the event that someone comes after you sues you for whatever reason you are protected right let's also get into how with sole proprietors it's harder for you to get certain levels of funding right Mm -hmm. banks are hesitant yes so if you are looking to grow your business and you know that getting funding or access to capital is going to help you leverage and grow quicker this may not be your entity of choice for that specific reason yeah that's a great reason and and for if you're you're trying to build business credit again like i say if anyone is planning to start a business um you're at your job you're planning to leave your job whatever you're doing you should be building business credit at least a year before you even decide to go that route right so when you leave you have this business line of credit that you can leverage but um <laughs> exactly but if you are a sole proprietor please understand that now everything is still under you. You know, that's not favorable. Again, like Shania says, even with funding, with credit now, they're going to want, they're going to harp on the personal guarantees. So there are personal guarantees out there, but it's not required if you have your EIN and DUNS number and you do certain things in order, right? A lot of people jump out and they try to put the cart before the wheel, especially as it relates to business credit. And then they wind up having to personally guarantee, but you don't have to with business credit. Um, But if you are sole proprietor, proprietor, you definitely will have to personally guarantee. So let's get into entity number two, a limited liability company, also commonly known as an LLC. LLCs are a great way to begin protecting your assets, right? So at this moment, now you and your entity are two different people. So in the case of litigation, someone's going to sue your company and not you personally, unless they can pierce your corporate veil, which we spoke about in episode three. But if you're doing the right things, you are going to make sure that in the case of litigation, your assets are protected or your LOC is as far as they can get when it comes to seeking liability. Why I love them because of the limited liability associated with them. You want to get funding with an LLC. You can get funding through banks. You can get funding through stocks. Um, One or more people can own it. So, I mean, as a sole proprietor, you know, if we do the the comparison, you have one sole owner it's like a you know you're your own dictator um i like the llc structure because it's like the corporation and a partnership hybrid and that pretty much works for me and if you are a real estate investor llc should definitely be your friend how are llc's tax They are taxed very, very similar to sole proprietors if you are a single member LLC. 
in this fashion, you are going to file your business taxes on a Schedule C on your personal 1040 return. Mm -hmm. However, as an LLC, you can elect different taxation statuses. You can elect to be taxed as a C-Corp, as an S-Corp, or the default sole proprietorship. These taxation elections are going to change how you file your entity's taxes and how they roll down to you. But we'll get more into what C-Corp taxation is and S-Corp taxation is when we get to those entities. However, if you are a multi-member LOC, you have the option to now be taxed as a partnership as well. Then we'll get into C-corporations. People who are starting out small businesses tend to stay away from this specific corporation because of its taxation. However, on the contrary, C-corps offer the maximum protection when it comes to having an entity. So for companies that are in the business that may include riskier services or products, they may look for a C-corp more and then also filing that C-corp in a different state to achieve maximum protection. C-corporations are subject to double taxation. This means that the corporation pays tax at the corporate level on their 1120 form, which is the corporate tax return, but then also at the shareholder level. So those who are shareholders of the C-corporation will pay taxes on their dividends. But what I love about the C-corp you get to sell stocks to the public. <laughs> Essentially, like, I mean, I think it's, it should be, I don't want to say that because everyone has different goals, you know, but I think it's pretty dope. Like, I love the whole startup world, mm -hmm. you know, you come up with your idea, you raise money, you scale, you, I mean, seriously, we need to plan Okay, create a five-year plan. That, I mean, who wouldn't want to create a billion-dollar company in five years? You know, when I was younger, I used to see these companies. When you hear, when you heard of a billion dollars or a billionaire, it was very, it was like a dinosaur, right? You know, it's kind of like a T-Rex. They're so extinct, you hardly, you know, you just see them in the museums, like, oh, a T-Rex. You know what I mean? But now you're hearing so many billionaires and it's so frequent. And I'm like, in that startup world, all of these corporations, you know, they're leveraging, um, they're selling stocks to the public, you know, they're raising money, they're crowdfunding and building and scaling these businesses in a very short time. Like a perfect example would be Kylie, you know, three years, she hit the billion dollars. Mm -hmm. So 49% of her company still maintaining, you know, ownership and working on other things. You know what I mean? So it's like those kind of structures, corporations excite me. We love it. We love it here. We're trying to reach that billionaire status real soon, right? Stay financially lit. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we talked about double taxation of C-Corps. And again, now we're going to move on to an S-Corp. So I look, like to look at S-Corps as hybrids between C-Corporations and LOCs. S-corporations have a lot of the same protection as C-corporations, a lot of the same responsibilities also when it comes to maintaining meeting minutes, maintaining your corporate documents and your bylaws and other things like that that are required for corporations 
However, S corporations are tax similar to LLCs or sole proprietorships. This means that it is not subject to double taxation. Instead, each shareholder is going to pay tax at the shareholder level through dividends. However, it is required, most people don't remember this part, but to have an S corporation, you are required to compensate yourself through payroll. This is how the IRS recoups a little bit of that tax that you are saving from having an S corp. So typically with clients that I coach, we end up setting themselves up on payroll and then paying themselves a certain amount in dividends to not pay tax on that full amount of net income, specifically self-employment tax, which is 15.3%. When you do the math, after you're netting 400,000, 500,000, it is, is a significant amount of tax dollar savings. And who wants to pay Uncle Sam more than they have to? Not us over here. We are trying to live like the 1% and pay minimal taxes. Absolutely. So Shania, could you, so for the, for the average listener who may not, like they're just starting out, um, they may not have the funds to reach out and get a coach. You know, they form their business, they have it, they have their EIN, all of that stuff. How could they, what would be the easiest route for them to get started with payroll? putting themselves on payroll? Because we, we saw the stimulus package and the PPP stimulus plan that was out there. Um, and a lot of people couldn't get it because of that. Lack of payroll. Yeah. So how, how could some of the listeners get started right now if they have a business, they don't have an accountant, how, what could be their next steps? Mm-hmm. So there are several different ways to set up payroll. You can go through using a software provider or you can kind of do it manually. It takes a lot more effort, but it can be done. With payroll taxes, the most important thing is registering your business with the IRS and also with the state to set yourself up to be an employer. Once you do that, now you can start listing yourself as an employee and pay your applicable payroll taxes to both the state and the government. I work with a lot of my clients during this COVID crisis and help a lot of them apply for the PPP loan. And what I've seen the most is that they're asking for certain forms. So if you are doing proper payroll, you should be able to pull up your form 940, which shows how much taxes you pay to the IRS. Or if you're in New York, it may be a different form that shows how much state taxes that you paid. These loans are asking for those specific statements. So it's important for you as business owners to understand what documents you should be preparing when you are putting yourself on payroll. I love it. Absolutely. Because so many people missed out on that and they didn't know, you know, what forms and everyone was scrambling. But Mm -hmm. at the beginning, at the end of the day, your paperwork is your friend. Mm -hmm. Your paperwork is your friend. I attended a webinar and this lady I admire so much. Oh my goodness. And she was talking about um, a data, a due diligence data room with all of your documents. And I would recommend that to everyone listening. You know, you have all of your documents on a, have it, you know, the hard physical paperwork, 
but have it on a drive, have it in a Dropbox, you know, so you can easily, when you're applying for these grants, you're applying for even loans, whatever it is, you're trying to get funding for your business, there are required forms you must have. You want to have that. So this is not something that I came up with. I heard the term and I'm like, wow, I feel everyone could benefit from that. Mm -hmm. Start your due diligence data room. Keep all your documents in there. Handy, handy dandy. (laughs) So after you pick your entity, what's also important is obtaining your EIN number. So Sabrina, you sprinkled over that term earlier, but want to explain to the people what your EIN number is and why it's important to have because it's super important. So your EIN number is your employer identification number, which is obtained through the irs.gov website. This number is important because it tags itself to your business. The same way we have social security numbers, social security cards, your business has a social security number and that thing is called an EIN. When you are reporting your taxes, if you are filling out W-9s to get contracted and paid, they are going to ask you for your EIN number because again, this tags uh, ID number to your business. <laughs> With most of my business clients, they know it's included in my package. You get the coaching. I'm going to help you, first of all, figure out which business works for you. And then we'll go ahead and file your business. But I also include the EIN number. <laughs> I also include your operating agreement and other documents that you need to get started. Because when you open up a business bank account, they're going to ask for specific documents. They want your articles of incorporation or your certificate of incorporation. They're going to ask you for your EIN number. They're going to ask for operating agreement or bylaws in some cases. And they are going to also ask for a filing receipt. So if your plans are to open up a bank account right after you form your entity, make sure that you are getting all of those from the person who files your stuff. And again, it's included in my package because I want to set you guys up to begin building. Don't have to worry about taking a step back and filling out missing documents. Let's get this business formed and let's start building. Our next entity of the five is going to be partnerships. Partnership agreements can be created through either a verbal or written agreement. This is going to split, in most cases, the liability between you and another person. However, partnerships can have more than two people. Most people think partnerships are just two people, but it can be more than two. So for partnerships, you are going to do your partnership return itself, the informational 1065, and then each partner will be issued a Schedule K-1 that K-1 is going to have that partner's share of income or profits. I mean, I know this is the legal things episode, but one thing I would say about a partnership, please put your things, like Shanae said, in writing. I had a partnership before and it was a, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. I thought it was an equal 50-50 type opportunity. And the person was like, no. So what you may think as a partnership, it doesn't necessarily mean 50-50. It could be 80-20 in that partnership. 
you need to really sit down before you decide to go into a partnership with someone, family, friend, complete stranger, whoever, right? Whatever you would do with a complete stranger, make sure you do the same thing with your family, your loved one, your spouse, because you never know what's going on in someone else's mind. Okay. Um, it was a situation where, I mean, I was so excited about the business, just bursting with excitement and, um, ideas and just doing, doing a lot of the legwork. And this person was like, um, 55, 45. And I was crushed. It wasn't, um, because of the whole, the money thing that wasn't what hurt me. It was just the fact like, wow, oh my gosh, I thought we were equal, you know? And then it was to the point where the person said, well, if an investor comes in, you're going to have to give up your equity because I'm maintaining 51% of my company. And I was like, Ooh. oh, no. 51% of their company. So again, when you're going in and you're a partner with someone, make sure you understand what that, what that really means. And you have yourself protected because things happen, people change, they get, other people get in their ear. And the last thing you want is to put your money, your energy, your time into building something. And then you just have to walk, just walk away from it because you didn't protect yourself. You felt like you could trust this person in business. Be cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's like business is business. It's never personal. And if you take that approach, you know, when you go into these partnerships, you know exactly what you are walking away with. People play out here when they think money is involved. I mean, you don't need, you might not even pop off yet. We didn't even have a dollar. Like we were literally um, paying out so much money but it was just the idea and the possibility and people get high off of that potential. Mm -hmm. People get high off of probability. You know what I mean? Um, so we're going to get real and get it in paper and in writing before you go ahead and give away your wealth to anyone. Because I mean, I had to say to that person, you know, 51% of zero is zero. Mm -hmm. you know, but we want to maintain, you know, we're going to have our real partnerships out there. Like seriously, collaboration is how you grow is how you scale. We don't have to compete, compete with yourself, right. stun on your own self, right? You should be looking to get 50% of this hundred million, 50% of this billion dollars. Don't get greedy and end up with zero period protect yourself at all times speaking about protection we talked about entities and how they protect you and the different types of them let's get into protecting your actual intellectual property because that's equally important 
And you do that through several different ways. You can go through trademarks, you can go through copyrights, you can go through patents, but it's super important. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs struggle between understanding what each of these protection levels are and to which types of intellectual property do you apply these to. But we're gonna get into all of the legal things as Sabrina stated. Let's start with trademarks. Trademarks are going to be your friend when it comes to protecting a name, a logo. Like Starbucks, you know, is like, what? what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of Starbucks? The little lady with the, in the green circle. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, is your brand marker out there in the world? So anything you want to go out and do or any phrase that you say, you know, like me financially lit, I mean, we could bring up the whole situation with <laughs> old girl when she DM me, you know what I mean? Um, just anything you say, if it's a catchy phrase, like, and we could, we could speak on this, um, momager thing with Kim, um, Kris Jenner, she, she trademarked momager. And there's so many people were using that. I think Ashanti's mom, a few people would be saying that, but you weren't making no money from it. You didn't trademark it. Like, you know what I mean? Like she made that into a thing, right? So think of how many things we say out here as black people, we just come up with our own little slang and verbiage one-on-one trademark what you say. A rapper might put it in his song and you like, hey, you got to cut me a check. It's real out here. It sure is. (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) Now we're going to get into copyrights. So what is a copyright? This, you can think about something that's going to protect your written work. So if you are an author, a songwriter, someone who produces intellectual property that is on paper, is written, it's a sequence of words or a sequence of stories that make up a book, you want to get your work protected by a copyright. It gives you the exclusive right to publish, to distribute, and to use as an author. And at most times, you want to protect that yourself. So this means that nobody can duplicate your written work, your song lyrics, your poem. You want to protect your work as an author. And when you want to do that, you want to go ahead and file for a copyright. Absolutely. Um, do not put anything out there without it. Right now, everybody, you know, the Me Too movement is heavy, heavy on social media, not just with those feminists, but with all these people who are not sitting home being creative, like they just want to see what you're doing. Oh, I want to do that too. You know, and they join me too gang. So um, pretty much protect any ideas or your written works. I see a lot of poets out here. You guys are so talented and creative. Oh my goodness. And people will just freestyle a poem and then you'll see people take it and repost it as theirs. You know, um, a lot of these memes and stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of hard with social media because people just photocopy an image, but put your handle or something on there, brand your, brand your thoughts, 
you know, you know, like some of y'all are really, really deep. Brand your thoughts, put those things in books and sell, you know, just make sure you're, you're protecting your assets. So so for the trademark thing, um, we had an issue. We had an issue when we first started a podcast. So two years ago, I wrote this book called Financially Lit. Um, I actually had the idea more than five years ago. Uh, and I just had it. It was just there. It was like, oh, yeah, financially lit. I have another name, but I'm not going to mention it. <laughs> and, you know, we put out the podcast and somebody literally hit me up and told me to cease and desist. You know, and I'm like, um, you know, I was being really cordial with her and I did put that up on the financially lit page. But what got me irritated is even though I showed her the trademark, like I sent her the screenshot, I tried to reason with her is like, she was not listening. She was like, oh, you copyrighted your logo. Oh, you just copyrighted an image. That is my name. And one thing I want you guys to say before you put anything out there, please double check on the trademark website, whether it's available or not. Do not waste your money forming a business, forming a, um, coming up with a whole campaign without doing your research. This is where doing your due diligence in real life comes in handy right? You don't want to go spend money on a domain. You didn't register the name. You didn't check with the entity names within your city. You didn't see that the the trademark isn't available. They have live trademarks out there. You know, protect yourself in that way. And again, when you trademark something, it requires a, you know, it could be minimal to extremely expensive. If you want to trademark across every category that nobody cannot use this name to monetize it in any way, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars. There are like 50 categories or so in the trademark, um, in trademark classifications, right? But if you just want to start in your one category and pay your 275, I recommend that's where you start, but definitely trademark and protect any words phrases slangs i mean anything it is that you say with your homeboys we are very very creative people you know a lot of people watch and observe what we do and say and they take it and they monetize it monetize and protect your brands. A lot of people, they have kids, they're building followings from early. Hit up Shania, register a business for that child. Trademark the child's name. Copyright his little books, his stories, whatever, but make sure you are monetizing. Any idea that comes out of your mind, you are monetizing it and it's protected. I think this is gonna be a great time to transition into the do's and don'ts of being a business owner. We talked about legal structures, we talked about IP and how to protect it via trademarks, copyrights, or patents, 
but there's still a lot of tips that we can give you guys on starting a business and being able to protect your business and maintain protection as you are growing it. I love to get into the basics just right away. Once you start your business, you should make sure that you are starting your business bank account right away. You don't want to get into the habit of using your personal debit card or credit card to fund your business or linking it to your PayPal account to collect payment from your Wix site or whatever the case may be. You want to start off with a business credit card and make sure that you are doing the right thing with protecting your income and expenses so that in the case of litigation, again, they won't come after your personal assets. It's very, very important. Yes. And that business bank account, the thing about banks and what a lot of people don't like a lot of people overlook, you receive a bank statement every month at the top of it. It says your deposit statement, right? Banks are, I mean, of course they care when you withdraw money, the more money you have in the bank, the better. But there's a magical thing that happens every time you direct money into your account. The banks are able to lend out this phantom money that wasn't there before, right? <laughs> right? So banks track your deposits. If you have a business bank account, make sure you're putting as much money as you can in that account because here's what I see. A lot of business owners start and they feel like, oh, I registered the business. Oh, we have a great idea. Oh, let's go borrow money from the bank just to get their feelings hurt. <laughs> the bank is not giving you money because you had a wonderful idea. Please understand, no one gives you money because of your wonderful ideas. People give you money because of the return on their investment. Let's get that very clear, right? So for a lot of business owners, they feel like, is this entitlement and this resentment towards the bank? Like, oh, I got denied for a loan, this, that, and the third. It's like, okay, number one, are you lendable? So my first tip would be become lendable with your bank or with the company. No one is, there's nothing in this world for free. The oxygen we breathe, we, the next breath, we have to give it away. Mm -hmm. Right? So please understand it's all about your ROI, the return on investment. So anyone that's coming and giving you money, please understand, even if it may be 10 years or five years from now, but they're focused on that, that ROI. Not to say they don't want to see you grow and scale and all. Absolutely. The more you grow, the more money they make. It's a win-win situation. Yeah. So please give the, put the bank in a position that they feel like, oh yeah, we definitely have to work with this business. They just keep giving us business. <laughs> it's win-win then you're going to save yourself a lot of headaches. I mean, I'm actually, I actually think I'm going to do a class um, in May, like how to really like run up a bag as a individual 
and then I'll do a separate one for for businesses. But I think that's really important because a lot of people don't understand how banks work. Right. Even how credit work. And I'm not the personal credit expert. You can hit me up on business credit any day. But when you understand how to leverage credit, your life completely changes. Completely changes. So yeah, I would say that'll be my tip. Become lendable. Become lendable. Absolutely amazing. I guess in terms of lendability, we also want to talk about another do, which is making sure that your books are together. Because when it comes to filling out these applications to get funding, your bank is typically going to ask you, well, if you're going for a loan, they're going to ask you for your profit and loss statement, your balance sheet, which is your basic financial statements. Some loans even go as far as asking for an AP aging schedule, an AR aging schedule, a lot of more complex statements that you guys will get to experience as your business grows. And it's important to make sure that you can provide them upon request. Because if you can't, now it's another process to even get yourself ready to apply for it. But when you are already in the position to receive that funding, it's going to allow you to, again, build your business better and just scale a lot quicker. When you are doing your books for your business, you can use a third-party software as QuickBooks. I do provide QuickBooks training for entrepreneurs who don't want to necessarily hire a full-time bookkeeper, but when you do grow and transactions begin to quadruple, you want to maybe hire somebody on staff to make sure your finances are always on point. You can hire me. <laughs> um, but Everyone needs to take that QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to take that QuickBooks training regardless of if you are a business owner or not. Because again, this is the Financially Lit Podcast. And even if you don't have a physical business, understand that you, the individual, you are a business. Remember Jay-Z said it, you know, I'm not a business man. I'm a business man. You know what I'm saying? So pretty much you are a business. So you need to understand how to treat your finances. Like if you literally look at each dollar as an asset or liability, I mean, so powerful. It is so, I'm, it's real. Like we literally create our wealth or we give it away. It's our choice every single day. You know, they're little kids that, you have $15, $25, you can go buy stocks. Mm-hmm. The stocks right now, one of my favorite stocks is only $5. A couple of my favorite stocks are $5 right now. You, It's always up to you. What are you putting in your pockets? Mm-hmm. Right? Because again, it's never about how much you earn. It's always about how much you keep. Knowing how to manage your money is probably one of the best gifts you could do or you could give yourself. So I would definitely hit up Shania, find out how much is that trick QuickBooks training. I'm sure she'll have a code for the podcast listeners. Tell her you listen to the episode and you want to get your finances in order because your biggest investment is you, period, that you are your biggest dividend. Mm. 
That's deep. Gotta let that marinate. You are your biggest dividend. Let's get into it, guys. This is the Financially Lit Podcast. Also, just to finish our conversation on bookkeeping, this is going to allow you to more easily file your tax returns, which is another document that the loan officers are going to ask for if you are going for a loan. So make sure your books together, get that balance sheet in order, that profit and loss statement, make sure your taxes are filed. How that mean if you don't have them filed, you should be filing a return for your business every year, even if you do zero dollars in revenue, because you want to start having business history. And that's a whole nother conversation. But I thank all of you guys for listening. I thank Sabrina for being such an amazing co-host. And thank you guys for listening to episode four. Four. Wow. I love it. Thank you guys so much for listening and just send us your feedback.
So a full life financial LLC. And I'm Sabrina Abraham, AKA the money goat CEO of Finco technologies. Welcome to the financially lit podcast.